to share from Zechariah 3 and Zechariah 4 um, during this bridegroom fast. And so uh, I'm going to go ahead and continue. Yesterday we shared Zechariah 3. I want to um, share Zechariah 4 today. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and let's open to Zechariah chapter 4. And we're going to read this whole chapter. I feel like these chapters, they're critical for the house of prayer at all times, but I feel like they're pertinent to us right now. And I just, I just want to testify that the Lord has been, um, he's been impressing Zechariah 4 on me quite a bit over the last several months. And I, um, I'm, I'm staring at the chapter, I'm praying about it and meditating on what the Lord is trying to say to me and to us through it. And um, I feel like there's much more light the Lord wants to release on it. So if these are familiar chapters to you, I would just say continue to lean in because I feel like the Lord wants to release more to us from uh, Zechariah 3 and Zechariah 4 particularly. So just uh, to set it up again, Zechariah, he's a young prophet. He's around 20 years old. He is with about 50,000 Israelites that have come out of captivity in Babylon. Uh, They were in captivity for 70 years. And then they return to Jerusalem to build the temple, to rebuild the temple. This is the Lord's commission to them, to rebuild the temple and to rebuild the wall around the city. And what happens is 50,000 come out of captivity and they lay the foundation for the new temple and they quit the work. They actually stop the work and for 16 years, the work of building the temple, which Isaiah refers to the temple as the house of prayer. So if I use those interchangeably, it's because the Bible does. Um, but they, they quit the work of building the house of prayer. And so for 16 years, um, Haggai and Zechariah, they tell us that they, they, they go into a backslidden state. They literally go about uh, building their own houses instead of building the house of the Lord. And they, uh, Haggai says, you, you're making money, but you're putting it in pockets that have holes in it because you, you haven't given yourself to the, to the commission and the work of the Lord. And so what the Lord does is he raises up Haggai and he raises up Zechariah in that season as prophets, prophetic voices, to call the nation back to the commissioning of the Lord, back to building the house of prayer, building the temple, setting up night and day worship and prayer in the temple. And so uh, here's Zechariah, he's this young man, and in one night he has eight different prophetic encounters. And we have the record of that from Zechariah chapter 1 through Zechariah chapter 6. He first gets a word from the Lord in Zechariah 1, and three months later he has this night where he has eight different prophetic encounters all in one night. And they are extensive. They are interactive. He's in the encounters. He's engaging with uh, an, an angel that's leading him through, and then he's got the angel of the Lord. He's seeing different ones that are a part of uh, the rebuilding of the house of prayer at that time. And, and the Lord gives him specifics on uh, rebuilding the house of prayer, calling people to rebuild the house of prayer. And he gives him details about the end of the age. He actually ties them both together. And he, he identifies, as we talked about yesterday, 
that the whole building of the temple was a picture of Jesus. It was a sign of Jesus who would come and ultimately he, that Jesus would rule and reign in Jerusalem. It's the, whole, the whole picture of Zechariah 3 is a, a, a symbol of that. It actually says that around about verse 10. But now here we are, Zechariah 4. This is the, uh, the fifth vision. Let's go ahead and read the whole thing. And we'll just walk through it. I just felt strongly that I'm supposed to declare Zechariah 3 and Zechariah 4 in this GBF, on this Global Bridegroom Fast. I feel like this is it's on the heart of the Lord. I'm asking the Lord to even give me more light on this passage. So I would encourage you to ask the Lord right now to give you light on this passage. So Zechariah 4, <clears throat> verse 1. Then the angel who was speaking with me returned and roused me as a man who's awakened from his sleep. So this is this angel that's basically, it's, he, he, this angel's his guide taking him through all these encounters. He roused me as a man who is awakened from his sleep. He said to me, what do you see? And I said, I see and behold a lampstand all of gold with its bowl on top of it and its seven lamps on it with seven spouts belonging to each of the lamps which are on, on the top of it. Also two olive trees by it, one on the right side of the bowl and the other on its left side. Then I said to the angel who was speaking with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? So the angel who was speaking with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become a plain, and he will bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Also the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house, and his hands will finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small beginnings? But these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These are the eyes of the Lord which range to and fro throughout the earth. Then I said to him, What are these two olive trees on the right of the lampstand and on its left? And I answered and, and the second time and said to him, What are the two olive branches which are beside the two golden pipes? which empty the golden oil from themselves. So he answered me saying, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. Then he said, these are the two anointed ones who are standing by the Lord of the whole earth. Amen. So this is a powerful visionary encounter that Zechariah is having. The thing that's interesting, it's so obvious, is he's having this massive encounter with an angelic escort and the entire time he's having the encounter he has no idea what it is he's completely unclear about what it is he's actually asking the angel for input to explain to him what it is he's seeing and I think that that's a really important um, principle in receiving prophetic revelation that oftentimes the one that's receiving the the revelation does not receive the interpretation. You need help. And that's a, that's a good indication that we need one another. 
We need the agency of angels and we need this prophetic spirit in a prophetic community to help us to know what it is the spirit of the Lord is saying. And so uh, oftentimes you see this. You see it with Daniel. You see it with Zechariah. Uh, you see it at times with, with Isaiah and Jeremiah where they're having encounters and they don't know what it is. You see it with John and he have, they have to ask the angel or John actually asks one of the elders, what, what is this? Well, I don't even know what I'm seeing here. And, um, and I think this interplay between the angel and Zechariah is really instructive. So let's get our mind around it. <clears throat> here he is. He's had all these visions in this single night, and now again the angel comes, comes and sort of rouses him, and he says, I was aroused like one that's awakened from sleep. You don't know if he wakes up. You don't know if he's still in a sleep state. You don't know. He's like one who was awakened from a sleep, and he's with this angel, and the angel shows him this vision. And here's the vision, okay? There's two olive trees. The two olive trees have two branches that extend from them, and two pipes that extend from those branches. And those pipes are, uh, they are dripping golden oil into a bowl. And that bowl is on the top of a lampstand. And the lampstand has seven fires or seven lamps coming off of it with seven pipes coming out of the bowl. Can you picture that? So two olive trees. Two branches. Those branches have pipes coming off of them. They're leaking oil into a golden bowl. The bowl is on top of a lampstand. The lampstand has seven fires on the top of it. It's a menorah. And the bowl has seven pipes that are feeding each one of those fires. Can you, can you get your mind around it? So, here he is. He's seeing this thing. Two big olive trees. Two special branches coming off the olive trees. Pipes, oil, fire, seven fires on top of a lampstand. And so he says, what, what is this? <laughs> Zacharias, his question is, what am I seeing here? What, what is this? Because he's having a visionary encounter. And the angel, it's just, I, I mean, I always think these things are interesting. And the angel is, he's incredulous. He goes, you don't know what this is? Like you see olive trees that drip golden oil into bowls that have seven lamps on them all the time. And everybody knows what that means. He goes, you don't know what this is? And it's almost like the, the angelic, they imagining or they, they presuppose that with the, with the revelation comes the interpretation. And, and it's, it's the Lord knows our frame is dust. And sometimes it seems like the angels don't quite get that. You don't know what this is? No, I don't. So then the angel says, this picture is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. This picture is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. That's what, that's what this is. Now, remember, we have two prophets. We've got Zechariah and Haggai. They're the two key prophets that the Lord uses to, to get the temple rebuilt. And then Zerubbabel and Joshua are the two leaders of the nation of Israel. We found out yesterday Joshua was the high priest. And Zerubbabel is the governor. He's the king figure. He'd be like, like the king. And so, <clears throat> whereas in chapter 3, it's a word to Joshua. We're dealing, and what we're dealing with with Joshua are the spiritual issues affecting the nation. 
He stands as the spiritual representative of the nation, and the issue is Satan is accusing Joshua because there is sin in the nation and in Joshua, and the Lord is standing there saying, no, it doesn't matter if you're accusing him, I'm justifying him. And, and, and the Lord says, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. You, you cannot uh, condemn him. I have caused him to be a brand plucked from the fire. That's, that's chapter 3. So what we see is the Lord's um, his interruption in the attack of the enemy against the nation and against the spiritual leader. In chapter 4, here's what we get. We're getting a word to the governmental leader. And that word is, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So this picture of this, these two olive trees and this lampstand, it literally means not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And, and, um, and then he says, who are you, O great mountain? This picture literally means this. Who are you, O great mountain? You will become a plain before Zerubbabel, and he will bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace. That picture means all of that. Now, how, is, how does it mean that? How does it mean that? Well, it, it, it's got several features to it. Number one, we have this golden oil. The golden oil is coming off the olive trees. And golden oil doesn't come off olive trees. Olives come off olive trees. So what we have is a heavenly anointing oil that's flowing freely from these olive trees and it's causing the lampstand to burn and the point is there's no human means that enables the lampstand to burn now the lampstand is a picture of the finalized built temple it's a picture of the the final uh the final uh the the full building of the temple And he tells us that. He says the capstone, the finishing stone, that's the capstone. The final stone will be brought forth the shouts of grace, grace. So here's what we have. We have this picture of this oil coming off these olive trees, causing this lamp to burn. And the Lord's declaring to Zerubbabel, it's not by a human um, ability. There's nothing that you're able to physically do to cause this to happen. The Lord's saying, I'm going to make it happen. I'm the one that causes the lampstand to burn. I'm the one that causes the golden oil to flow. I'm the one that brings the anointing, and I'm the one that brings the fire. I'm the one. It's not human effort. And so this is a critical truth for the house of prayer, but for the church in general. Remember, Jesus is the one who walks among the lampstands. Lampstands are a picture of, of, the, of the church, of the people of God in different different places. And I would just say this. This is a clear point. Only the Lord decides when a lampstand is erected. Only the Lord. And he's the one who decides when there will be a lampstand and when that lampstand will be removed. You see that really clearly in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. He talks to different churches in Asia and he says, some of them, I'm going to remove your lampstand. And so the lampstand is a picture of the, the, the community of faith. And in, in specific here in Zechariah 4, it's a picture of the house of prayer. And so the Lord is the one in charge of the lampstand. The Lord is the one that causes the anointing to flow. The Lord is the one that causes the fire to burn in the lampstand. He says, it's not by might. It's not by power, human might or human effort. But it's by the Spirit of the Lord. And so here's the thing. We usually get that verse 
we get it applied to all sorts of things. You know, we, we're going to do an outreach, and we go, come on, let's, let's pray, because it's not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. We're going to go witness the gospel, which is fine. <clears throat> I think you can probably apply it to that. <clears throat> but specifically, it's not about that. It's about the house of prayer burning with the fire of God. That's what, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's what it's about, specifically. And so, here we have Zerubbabel, and you got to kind of get your mind around the picture. They've built this foundation, but they haven't built anything else And the city has lain in ruins for 70 years. It's been completely destroyed by Babylon. There is a massive mountain of rubble. There's all these physical obstacles. So whereas in chapter 3, the Lord is dealing with the spiritual obstacles, and chapter 4, he's dealing with the physical obstacles. He's going to pronounce a judgment against everything that stands in the way. So he says, it's by my spirit that this is going to come to pass. I'm going to provide the anointing. I'm going to provide everything that's necessary. I'm going to cause the anointing to flow, and I'm going to cause the fire to burn. I'm going to see to it that this thing is completely finished. And then the Lord releases a prophetic word against all the obstacles. Now, this is extremely pertinent to those that want to build the house of prayer. Because there are a thousand physical obstacles. There are so many challenges. It's amazing to me when I talk to people that want to come and they want to they live their life as an intercessory missionary. They want to they build the house of prayer either here or in other nations or, or wherever. And when they set their heart to build the house of prayer, they get satanic attack on their mind, just like chapter 3. And the number of physical challenges that begin to happen, I'm talking finances dry up. I mean, car wrecks, can't sell my house, lost my five supporters. All the physical things all of a sudden start popping up. And, and the number of physical challenges that stand in the way, just, just simple. Not sure how to make the money work. Not sure how to make the life work. Not sure how to make A, B, C, D, naturally speaking, work. And, and so there's these challenges that stand in the way. And the Lord's answer is, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit. I'm going to make it work. And then the Lord says, who are you, O mountain? And so if you're standing there and you're staring at a mountain of obstacles in your way from, from giving yourself fully to the Lord in the place of night and day worship and prayer... The Lord's word is, who are you, O mountain? Who are you, obstacles? I will flatten you. Come on. You shall become a plain. I will flatten this mountain of obstacles. He goes, and that which is in the heart of you, Zerubbabel, because it's a corporate Zerubbabel. For us, it, it, it applies to us in a corporate way. It's the corporate Zerubbabel who desires to build the house of prayer. He goes, that which is in your way, Zerubbabel, he goes, I'm going to flatten it, and Zerubbabel, you are going to finish this thing, and it's going to come with a double portion of grace. I love it. He goes, it's shouts of grace, grace. That's how this is going to happen, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. 
He goes, I'm the one that's going to make it happen. The, the thing that we got to get Zerubbabel to do is set his face like Flint to obey the Lord. We've got to get Zerubbabel to quit taking a break, to quit being on pause for 16 years, and to put himself to the work and allow the golden oil to flow from the olive tree. And allow that thing to get fulfilled. Allow the Lord, as Azurubal says yes to the activity, allow the Lord to flatten the obstacle and allow the Lord to bring forth the capstone through Zerubbabel. So there's this powerful word to Zerubbabel. And so get the picture now. Here's Zerubbabel. He's the leader. He's the leader of the nation. And the whole nation is on the bench not doing what the Lord's called him to do. And the Lord gives him a vision of a finished lampstand of a fully sourced lampstand a a lampstand that's full of anointing and burning with fire it's not an in-process lampstand it's not just the candlestick of the lampstand it's a finalized lampstand and so here's what the lord says he's saying you see a mountain zerubbabel i see the finished work you see the problems I see this thing fully accomplished. You see all the issues. He says, I see my supply of oil causing the fires to burn. The lampstand is completed. I see this thing operating on all cylinders. That's what I see, Zerubbabel. And man, I'm going to tell you, that word, that has been one of the sustaining words to my own heart in these last 15 years. As the Lord has, you know, put it on my heart and so many of you and so many others in the last 15 years to build the house of prayer here. And, you know, in my mind, I, I see four and five hundred intercessory missionaries, not 40 and 50. <laughs> and I see the 40 and 50, I go, you guys are awesome. But I, I see a fully burning lampstand, which in my mind is fully sourced with missionaries and anointing and glory fire and the whole prayer room anointing is felt all the way out on 316 because the thing is just flowing with golden oil that doesn't come from any human it comes from heaven that's what i see because this passage declares it now here's the thing the next portion of this this you have this declaration of the lord saying you're nothing this mountain is nothing it's a plain and the 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 final stone will be brought for the shouts of grace grace it says and then the word of the lord came to me so now zechariah is going to prophesy in the dream and i shared this yesterday but it's worth repeating if you ever find yourself interceding in a dream it counts because we see that in zechariah 3 if you ever see yourself prophesying in a dream it counts The Lord can give you a a prophetic word in a dream. You declare it, and it it counts. God doesn't, you don't have to be awake and cognizant to prophesy. The Lord will give you a prophetic word in the dream, and it's a prophetic word that counts. And we see this with Zechariah, because what he's about to prophesy uh, is the true word of the Lord. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house, and his hands will finish it. Verse 8 says, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house, and his hands will finish it. And that happened. So Zechariah prophesied that thing in the dream, and it happened. It actually did happen. Zerubbabel uh, helped finish the, uh, he helped lead the finishing of the temple. But then he says, then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. Now look at this, verse 10. This is incredibly important. 
For who has despised the day of small beginnings? Who has despised the day of small beginnings? It's a rhetorical question. Commentators differ on what's going on here with this language. I think it's, it is what it is. It's pretty straight. It's a rhetorical question, and the Lord is actually um, dealing with the mindset that most humans have. That when it's small and it's difficult, that we don't value what God wants to bring out of it. But the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which when it comes to full growth, it's bigger than all the trees. And so the Lord, he's going to say, these eyes, the eyes of the Lord, they rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. And, And so here's what the Lord is saying. Who's despised the day of small beginnings? The answer is, all humans despise the day of small beginnings. Nobody shows up. This is why we always, when we have big uh, new ministry things or, you know, new stores or whatever, we have a grand opening. Nobody shows up to a small, almost nothing opening because we don't think that's awesome. We want a grand opening. And, and, you know, there's even like church growth models that say, well, if you don't have 300 people on your first Sunday, it's just like you might as well just wrap it up. Like current church growth models. And, and so, but the Lord, he doesn't think like that at all. The Lord, he says, who's despising the, the day of small beginnings? Uh, and, and the reason he's saying that, he's, he says, he's saying it rhetorically. He says, because I don't. I don't despise the day of small beginnings. I love the day of small beginnings. I love little, rough, and ugly. I love Bethlehem stable. I love a handful of people gathered in my name, putting their heart before me. I love that. The Lord loves that. See, when they laid the foundation back in, in uh, Zerubbabel's time, they wept. As they said, this is not even close to the former glory of the temple. This is not even close. And the Lord says, no, don't weep at the day of small beginnings. He goes, I don't despise the day of small beginnings. And then he says this, the seven eyes, this is a a picture of the seven spirits of the Lord. It's the Lord who, who, who says this. They rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. Now the plumb line is an instrument that you hold and you put it, you know, like uh, from a beam to make sure everything is straight. Okay, so you might get a, a frame and then you hold down the plumb line, you find the straight, and that way you know where the wall goes, you know, how, how to build the wall. You don't want your walls to be crooked, you want them to be straight. So the plumb line gives you straight lines. The plumb line is an instrument that's used at the very beginning. It's used at the very beginning to start the building process. And, um, And the Lord says, when Zerubbabel takes the plumb line in his hand, he rejoices. The Lord rejoices. The Lord isn't just waiting for the, the capstone to rejoice. The Lord is rejoicing at the very beginning. He's rejoicing at little, rough, and ugly. He's rejoicing at at the day of small beginnings. The Lord loves the day of small beginnings. And so here's our thing in our human mentalities. We have to get out of 
thinking and believing, unless it's a big splash, unless it's this big grand opening, unless it's this big deal that it's not God. No, God loves the small thing, the little measure that ultimately leavens the whole lump. He loves the small beginning. He loves that. And somebody might say, well, I mean, you guys, I mean, we've been going here for you know, quite some time, 13 years, 24-7. I mean, can you still say we're in the beginning? Yes, totally. Because in terms of infinity, 13 years is nothing. <laughs> and we're going to live forever. And so 13 years is, is a beginning. It's a very, very small beginning. It's not even, I mean, we're not pros at this. We're not weathered. We're not like mature in this. We're so infantile. We're at the beginning. We're learning. We're learning so much about even the Lord's leadership. Even right now, we're learning. This year, the Lord has just been, just been reorienting us around the way he leads. And so I, I look at our, our little crew, and I think, man, we're still at the beginning. And, and, and what, I, what I sense from the Lord is his delight in the day of small things, in the day of the small beginnings, and so here's what happens with us is we see a small beginning, and it lasts three years, and we go, well, man, we should be X, Y, Z by now, or it lasts 10 years, and you think, I should be this and that and the other by now. I mean, that one church, it blew up, and that one guy, he went viral, and, you know, all these things we compare ourselves to, and the Lord goes, I'm not looking at any of that. I'm just looking at the way I want to shepherd this place. And he goes, and I do not despise the day of small beginnings. I don't despise it. He goes, I love it. And so here's the thing, when that, when that desire that was in like David, that was in Zerubbabel, was in Joshua, these ones that built the house of prayer, when that desire to see night and day prayer, to see the presence of the Lord prioritized, when that desire fills the, the heart of a person, they're in that same spirit as Zerubbabel, as David, when that's in your heart to see the Lord glorified, worshiped on earth as it is in heaven, 24 hours a day. That's that same spirit that was on Zerubbabel. The Lord says, when Zerubbabel puts his hand out and just takes the plumb line, just begins to even start the process, the Lord says, I rejoice. I rejoice in that. I delight in that. And so I want to tell you, uh, Zerubbabel, the Lord rejoices in your heart to take the plumb line in your hand. He rejoices in that. And whenever I travel and speak to House of Prayer leaders, I always encourage them with this. Because they'll, they'll apologize to me. They'll come to me and they'll say, well, you know, our House of Prayer, I mean, we're just small. You know, we're only 25 hours a week. And I'm like, 25 hours a week of prayer. And they're like, yeah, I'm so sorry. It's just not, it's not very much. And I'm looking at him and I'm going, you're probably the most aggressive prayer ministry in your region for the last 1,000 years at 25 hours a week. And the problem is they're comparing themselves to something else that's happening somewhere else, either here or Kansas City or wherever, and they, they think their 25 hours does not matter. And this is, an, this is an attack of the enemy. He wants to tell you, well, it doesn't matter if it's not better than this. It has to be better than this for it to matter. And the Lord goes, no, 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 no. I love the beginning. I love this small offering because to me, it's valuable. It's beautiful. I rejoice in that. 
And so even in our environment where we're 24 hours a day, you could sit there and you could completely, you know, say to yourself, well, this doesn't matter because it's not full team sets. It doesn't matter because we don't have enough intercessions or we don't have enough worship of the words or we don't have more stuff. It doesn't, it, it doesn't count. It, 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 you know, we just, and you get into that place of you're just despising it. And the Lord goes, what are you doing? He goes, I love it. I love it. I love your, the plumb line in your hand. I love it. You, you know, we have, we have so many that serve in all sorts of capacities just to keep the, the prayer room going. He goes, I love that you want to adjust the air conditioning. I love that. I love that you straighten the chairs. He goes, I love it. I love that you do one-man devos at 3 a.m. in the morning, and you're doing it at 3 a.m. because you don't want anybody to hear you sing, and I love that. And the Lord goes, I love that. And we have to, here's the thing, we have to get the mind of the Lord on what small beginnings means and what it is, or else we'll have the mind of the enemy on it. Because the mind of the enemy is, it doesn't matter, it doesn't count, and the Lord's never saying that. He's never saying that. He's saying, I'm rejoicing. I'm rejoicing. Heaven's testimony is I rejoice. So whenever that Zerubbabel, whoever that is, that corporate Zerubbabel, whenever Zerubbabel takes the plumb line in his hand, there's delight in the heart of the Lord. And that that plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel is just that heart. I just want to be in there. I want to be in that prayer room two hours a week, four hours a week. I want to be there 24 hours a week. I want to be full time in the prayer. Whatever it is, I want to straighten chairs. I want to lead a Devo. I want to run sound. I want to make sure that the atmosphere is happening. That's the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. And the Lord goes, I love that. I delight in that. And we have to catch that because the Lord's saying, who's despising the day of small beginnings? He goes, not me. Not me. That's the enemy. I was uh, in... um, Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, and the house of prayer there has been going for five years, 20 hours a week, right next to the red light district, right next to it. And uh, I mean, out of one window, there's the Christ statue that's like a, one of the wonders of the world. It's there. It's the, you know, Jesus up there. And out of one window, there's the Christ statue. Out of the other window is the red light district with, you know, 20 brothels and just human trafficking and terrible. And I'm like, how are you guys doing? And they're like, we're struggling. It's hard. I mean, we only have 20 hours. Oh. I'm like, guys, this is amazing. Who puts a house of prayer one street over from the red light district? Who who does that? And they're like, well, you know, it's just hard, and we're not seeing much. I go, well, tell me about it. What 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 do you mean? And they go, well, you know, and then somebody tells me later, they go, yeah, in the last three years, the amount of prostitution coming out of the red light district has dropped in half. It's gone down by 50%. And, it's, and they're, they're like, it's, it's weird. Even when we go there and minister, you can just tell the traffic is not there. It's like the traffic is just dried up. And, I, and I'm, so I'm hearing this from, you know, one source and I'm hearing, but it's, it's just too small. We're only 20 hours a week. I'm going, guys, you're breaking the back of Jezebel with your 20 hours of the week. The Lord is rejoicing to see the plumb line in the hand of you, you corporate Zerubbabel. It's working. It's happening. It's real. And, um, and it was really positive. And we had a, we had a great time. And, and they, the, the leaders even told me, said, you just, it's like you just broke that off of us, just that thing where we were just despising that, 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 what the Lord's been doing here. 
And I, I want to even speak that to us. Like, man, if you're, if you're like, if that's in your heart in any way, like, oh, it's just so weak and it's hard, it doesn't count. And if you've actually begun to agree with the enemy's testimony, despising the day of small things, I want to call you out of that. Because the Lord's saying, no, no, no. Who are you, mountain? You are a plain. The capstone, the finishing stone will be brought forth the shouts of grace, grace. He goes, who despises the day of small beginnings? He goes, not me. He goes, I love the day of small beginnings. I love it. I, I was talking to a leader recently, and we were, we were going to lead a prayer meeting. And he, he goes, man, I really want there to be, you know, we need, we need three, 400 people at this prayer meeting. And I said, I, I don't really care. I, I mean, I, I do. I, that'd be great if three or 400 came. But I said, if, there's a, if it's me and you and like 20 others, I'm happy. He goes, oh, no, brother, that's not, we, we can't do that. I go, oh, oh, yes, we can. I go, I walk around in a mostly, mostly empty prayer room all day long. I said, it doesn't matter who comes to the prayer meeting, it matters who we're talking to at the prayer meeting. We're talking to Jesus. That's everything. And, um, and so the Lord, he, he delights to see the plumb line in your hand. He delights to see the plumb line in your hand. I mean, staff, volunteers, if your heart is for building the house of prayer, he's delighting to see the plumb line in your hand. That's the, that's the, Lord's, the Lord's testimony is, I love what you're doing. I love what you're doing. And then he goes on, in verse 11, 12, 13, 14, and they have this conversation about the two olive trees and then the two branches. And it's Zechariah. He goes, so what's the, uh, what's the olive trees again? And he goes, specifically, what are those two branches coming off the olive trees? And uh, again, the angel, verse 13, goes, you don't know what this is? <laughs> and I, I don't know why that just catches me funny. It just does. I just, I don't know if the angel's messing with him. I don't know. He's teasing or what. So you don't know, huh? I, I just, it's funny to me. And uh, he goes, no. And he, then we have this amazing verse. These are the two anointed ones who are standing by the Lord of the whole earth. So the two anointed ones, the two olive branches, uh, most commentators would agree that that speaks of Zerubbabel and Joshua. That God's anointing is upon them to see to it that this thing is going to happen. He's going to use these two leaders to bring this house of prayer to pass. But at the same time, the two witnesses in the book of Revelation are called the two olive trees that stand before the Lord of the whole earth. And so here's what we have. We have this prophetic word that specifically applies to, to Zechariah in his day and then specifically applies to the end of the age. And it's just really interesting how the Lord is, is using that uh, kind of dual expression in, in, in that prophetic word, the two anointed ones. That literally means the two sons of oil, the two sons of oil. Uh, another translator calls them oil children. I want to be an oil child. <laughs> Hallelujah. The two oil children. And so I will wrap it up with this. I had a dream. Um, I had a dream in May. And in the dream, I'll just give the highlights. Uh, the Lord was pouring out his spirit. I was at a specific place with a specific pastor and uh, another minister. And the Lord was pouring out his spirit. And as he was pouring out his spirit, there was this interesting thing happening. There was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in like, um, 
like Acts 2, like laughter and joy, and there was an outpouring of the Spirit, like Zechariah 12, 10. He says, I'll pour out my, I'll pour out the Spirit of grace and supplication, and they will travail, they'll mourn. And so it had this Acts 2 outpouring of joy and the Zechariah 12 outpouring of travail. And the Lord began to speak to me and, um, about the dream when I woke up, and, and, and he said, the sons of oil, actually he said it in the dream, he said, I'm aligning the sons of oil with the sons of intercession. The sons of oil with the sons of intercession. And after I woke up, I realized that part of that had to do with this Zechariah 4, the sons of oil with the sons of intercession. And I'm still kind of praying into what does that actually mean? What is this alignment of sons of oil and sons of intercession? But I do know for sure, I, I, I know one level of it is we've seen, we've seen ministries in the earth that focus on the oil, the oil of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and they stay refreshed and alive and, and their hearts are lifted and they're, 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 you know, they, they walk in a, in, a, in a joyful presence of the Lord. And then we've seen ministries like the House of Prayer that focus on intercession, crying out, travail, asking God for a breakthrough, break in. Uh, the call would be like an oil, a uh, uh, son of intercession, like, like Lou Engle and, um, and Mike I, Bickle. I think, the, I think of them as sons of intercession. But sons of oil, I think of like the renewal movements and the revival movements and the outpouring of the Spirit. Well, <clears throat> he says, I'm aligning the sons of oil with the sons of intercession. And this is what I believe the Lord wants to do at one level of it. I think there's probably three or four levels. But one level of it, I really believe this. I believe the Lord wants to pour out his spirit in a way that fills the houses of prayer with oil, just like Zechariah 4, this golden oil pouring into the house of prayer. And he wants to add Zechariah 12.10 to it that uh, grace and supplication, spirit of grace and supplication, so that there's travailing that's actually Filled with the joy of the Lord. Filled with the joy of the Lord. And just personally, I would just say this, just personally, I've experienced this in small measures where I'll feel the Lord come on me and I will start laughing in the Spirit and in a moment, now I'm travailing in the Spirit. And then I come out of the travail and then I'm laughing in the Spirit again. Then I'm travailing in the Spirit. And, I, and I, what I believe the Lord wants to do is He wants, he wants to release joy in the house of prayer. He says, I will make them joyful in the house of prayer and I'll accept their offerings on my altar. And, and the point is this. A lot of times I think intercessors walk around in travail and mourning without much joy. And then a lot of times the, the renewal and revival folk, they walk around full of joy, but they don't, they don't ever intercede. And I think the Lord wants to take both of those and add them together and it's going to create, I, I think, a multiplied power in the Spirit. And so, um, amen. Amen and amen. All right, let's stand. I want to pray. I want to ask the Lord to do that with us. I want to ask Him to...